0: And gentlemen, the next United leader States leader heavyweight leader. champion, Ravishing Rick Brown. There's nothing in my dreams, just some ugly memories. Kiss me like the ocean breeze. Please welcome the newest members of the Dangerous Alliance. I'm Anderson and Larry Zabisco. Will be my love.
1: The world's greatest athlete and newest member of the Dangerous Alliance,
2: the world's TV champion, stunning Steve Austin.
0: Nothing left alive but a pair of glassy eyes. Raise my one more time. Please
1: welcome one of Sting's best friends and a little stinger himself, ladies and gentlemen, beautiful Bobby V.
0: Up. It's not an army,
2: it's not a stable, and it's
1: not a family. It's an alliance of businessmen who will bring WCW down to its knees.
3: North-South Connection, welcome to episode number five of the Seven Months of Danger, and we've got a big one tonight because we have finally reached the point and the pinnacle of where we finally see the alliance born. But before we talk about that, I would like to introduce my co-host for this evening as always first up Mr. Matsuza how are you tonight hello Sean uh doing great we are
4: uh post clash and what a big clash it was so uh hopefully we can keep uh, that streak
3: going of good stuff and not bad stuff so we'll see hmm. I think we got a mixed bag tonight but I think we have a lot of bad to talk about so uh we'll see how that plays out tonight but I still think it'll be a good show no matter what and up next Logan Crossland how are you Logan
5: Oh, I'm doing great tonight, and yeah, mixed bag is definitely a great way to describe what we have in front of us tonight, for sure.
3: Absolutely, and last, but certainly not least, Scott Schiff, how are you tonight?
2: I'm doing great. Um, glad we're continuing this journey, because uh, as Sousa said, the clash was amazing, and I want to see what happens, because I think we're inching very closer to actual form- formation.
3: Well, I think at the opening, I said tonight was the night that we're doing the formation. I think I said that. Touche.
5: <laughs> he, he, he's your son. He, he's your son. You know, you know, he doesn't listen to
3: you. I was going to say, Scott Shiflet, thanks for listening to your own fucking pod that we're recording at the minute that we're in right now. So for that. <laughs> I mean, fuck, I barely listened to him. I can't imagine. His I know. I mean, but like in a moment where I we're recording. So I, I love that Scott Shiflet totally listens to everything that I just said.
2: Uh, selective hearing.
3: That's selective here. I'm glad we're off to a hot start, as always, on this podcast as well. So <laughs> but we're going to jump right into it. So we're going to do things a little bit different tonight. So um, before I have uh, Logan and his Logan nomics talk about our awards and where they stand up to this podcast, um, I'm going to do – so one of the things I really like on the other podcasts that some of them do, like I know Jake does it on Ruthlessly Aggressive. Um, we do the Coons, the what Herb Coons notes over on The Place to Be. Um I I actually got a subscription to Meltzer. And so I thought it'd be kind of cool to pull up some notes that are happening at the time that we're recording these episodes of the time frame that we're talking about. So we're gonna go to two updates. So what you're doing on this podcast, November 23rd through November 30th. And we're going to go talk about the 112591 Observer and the December 2 Observer. So before we do that, I'm gonna have Logan... Tell me what our best match and our worst matches have been up through episode five to this point.
5: Our best match was the Rhodes and Steamboat versus uh, Arn and Larry Uh, from The Clash. We had it at a Mm 4.75. And then our worst match continues to be Ah, uh, Mister Hughes versus Bobby Eaton at a point one eight seven five.
3: Yeah, so. probably never to be beaten. Uh, that one, that one might stand for a long, long time. We might have to go rewatch that to see if we feel the same way after some of the shit we watch as we get through this podcast. We'll see. Um, and a uh, Logan, uh, most dangerous uh, out of all the dangerous alliance out of the four that we've done. Who is the most dangerous?
5: Uh, we've actually had a different person every time. Um, in the first episode, it was uh, Rude. Uh, second episode was Austin. Third episode was Arn. And last episode was Paulie Dangerously. Uh, but Least Dangerous was uh, has been Bobby Eaton twice, so he is the least dangerous
3: so far, right. I say. For Bobby Eaton, so we'll see. And he
5: was unanimous both times, too. It wasn't just that he was the least <laughs> dangerous. He was all four of our votes both times. He was uh, the winner,
3: so. Okay. Well, it's very unfortunate that we're not voting for uh, people outside the Dangerous Alliance, because I think as we go over our next two episodes, I think it would be pretty unanimous who it would be. So, unfortunately... Mm-hmm. We are going to stick with the Alliance members, but I think along the way, we will find plenty of time to shit on uh, the wrestlers, and I think we are aligned over the next two episodes that we absolutely are over. All right, so let's go to the notes. So we're going to go to November 25th uh, from Meltzer uh, from 1991, and this is right after The Clash, uh, but was written before The Clash. So here is the note, and I wanted to add this. This is exactly what he wrote. Um, Since this is being written before The Clash, But you'll all be reading it after the clash, it's pretty much expected that Ricky Steamboat debuted on the show as Dustin Rhodes' tag team partner against the Enforcers. Apparently, WCW sent a letter to the WWF asking them to respond if they felt they had contractual ties with Steamboat that would prevent him from working with WCW, and the WWF didn't respond, so WCW was going to use them. Steamboat had signed a two-year contract with WWF, but there was a claim by his attorney that the contract was breached in two areas— since technically Steamboat was fired by the WWF for not showing to uh, showing up to do two TV jobs, even though he had given notice he was going to quit, uh, that by being fired it would relinquish him from the contract. The combination of bringing in Steamboat with the recent addition of Rick Rude really gives the company a major shot in the arm when it badly needed it. Um, so, Suze, I'll go to you. Any thoughts on uh, the Ricky Steamboat situation here and all the contract uh, bullshit? <laughs>
4: I I think it's interesting that Steamboat had originally signed a two year deal with the WWF. Like, can you imagine Steamboat being there in like ninety two, ninety three? Like, Steamboat at WrestleMania nine would have been would have been something uh, something wild. And obviously, it worked out for the best because look, they with that stupid dragon gimmick they had him with in ninety one, they were never going to use him. Like, Ricky Steamboat should have been used. So, uh, good on him for uh, for getting out and uh firing him for not doing two tv jobs like did it happen to say who he was going to job to because i think that's not 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 him i'm thinking
3: like i'm thinking he's taking the l to like irs or somebody at some point (laughs) yeah because
4: i I feel like context there is very important like if he's if he's losing to someone like hogan or savage i get it but if he's losing to like fucking i don't know big bully Busick or something then yeah get the fuck out of there so
3: yeah, and you know it's interesting. I didn't even think about that. You brought up him at WrestleMania nine. Um, it, it's it's interesting to think about that, or even like him being at. Uh, so this is November of ninety one. So yeah, so thinking about him, he could, maybe he could have faced Flair at WrestleMania eight, and that could have yeah. been a whole different dynamic, and it could have redo sure. that whole thing. So that's really really cool to think about. Um, all right, Schiff. What about you? Any thoughts on the Ricky Steamboat stuff?
2: Steamboat had the weirdest like contract issues from when he, after he left WWF after WrestleMania three till like his, I mean, till he signs with WCW now because with WCW for the rest of his career, it's, I I don't know. Like, I know I've listened to other podcasts and they said like steamboats wife at the time. Bonnie was like in charge, all that, but, like he had that hot run with flair and he basically disappears. Like he has a match with Luger in 89 on a clash but he's gone after that and like you know I, I, I remember reading in flair's book that wcw just stopped calling him so like obviously he signed with wwf was there for a hot minute as that stupid ass dragon as suza was saying but like i'm glad he came back to wcw um i don't i think he still would have been like a lower mid-carder even with flair and the company in in, in wwf
3: yeah, it's really, really weird. It's really, really strange. Like and that's funny you bring that up because he has these bunch of this these short little runs, and then this run he's currently about to go into WCW is obviously the longest run he's had. But before that, just really short, 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 short runs. So Logan, what about you?
5: Yeah, his career is kind of weird. You know, he just pops in here and there, and he's not like like you just said. This is his longest run anywhere, but he just he never stays anywhere very long. And I I I really wonder how much of it was that bonnie wanted him home or closer to home and stuff like that and I, I don't really know how much it really had to do with that or or whatever but um yeah I, i'm glad he came back here i think it would have been you know if they had done the flare thing like you were just talking about maybe ran him them to it wrestlemania 8 instead of him and Savage. i mean the savage feud didn't match were great but um that could have been interesting if they did that if he had stayed around but yeah the whole dragon gimmick thing was very very cartoonish and I, it just wasn't him at all so i totally get why he wanted out but um yeah just very very strange and weird kind of a career bouncing around uh with him
3: yeah and vince wasn't going to put him anywhere near savage or flair or yeah that's true. that wasn't going to happen by any it just could of have been thing. interesting if he had yeah yeah, maybe if Triple H were booking at the time, that would have <laughs> happened. But that definitely wasn't going to happen under McMahon. All right, then I'm actually, even though it falls into our next episode, technically, I'm going to talk about the December 2nd uh, notes from Meltzer just because it relates to the clash. So three things on this one. Nearly an ultimate disaster this past Monday is Lex Luger actually quit the promotion as a protest because WCW had fired Harley Race. The last word I heard is that everything has been worked out. Although Luger did miss the 1125 television tapings uh, in Georgia because it wasn't resolved in time. So I'll go over the other two and then you can talk to all three. Second bullet. Most people seem to be crediting a lot of the positive changes in the company to the greater influence of Jim Crockett. Crockett has been saying things that make sense for the better part of the past three years, but nobody has been listening. Well, no shit, Sherlock, you went out of business. I wouldn't listen to you anyway. And over the past few weeks um, they have been listening in particular Crockett has been pushing for putting more heat on the heels since the company has lacked heels with heat. And I think you really see that happening through the course. So that makes sense. And last but not least, I said this during the clash, which I think is hilarious, but I had no idea. I said when, uh, when they brought out the uh, Ricky and that trophy dragon mask, the first thing I thought at the time was it would be the great Muda. Well, the note here, Muda was apparently going to be Road's secret partner for the clash in the event that steamboat deal did not come off. So Shift, I'll go back to you. What are your any thoughts on these three notes I just talked about?
2: I'm gonna go uh, in reverse order. If they would have had Muda, like if they had Muda like as his backup, why not just bring him back in general? Because that would have been, you know, a nice little shot in the arm, and you know they would have had, like, you know, they would have had like him and Sting team up. I know they teamed up in in Japan, but if they would have had them team up here after their hot 89 feud, I think that would have been really cool instead of like doing the whole Nikita thing. Um, you know, Crockett—that's that's a NWA, WCW Southern Wrestling thing where they want the heat, all the heat to go on the wrestlers, and you know, so that's why it's working because the WCW is always known as a Southern company. Um, only WCW would have their champion quit. Um, it's like what—it just shows how mismanaged it is. But I—I um, I didn't even know about this, like. Like, why would they cut Harley Race? Because I thought he was pretty good with with Luger. Um, it's just, like, imagine having, like, Roman Reigns quit. You know, I know, like, it sort of happened with Lesnar, but that was when Vince quit, the company had to retire. But, like, just firing someone in Roman, like, firing, you know, a Uso because of a DUI and Reigns is like, I'm out. Like, that, that's pretty much what's going on. It's just horribly mismanaged company.
3: Yeah. And I had no idea that Luger had quit at this time. I mean, I know he had limited dates on his contract, but I had no idea he had quit. So Susan, I don't know. I mean, I know, I mean, you're, you're a wrestling aficionado, even if you weren't, but a baby, I think you're, I, I can never remember when you were fucking born. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, any, 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 any memory of, uh, did you know of this about Luger quitting at any point in time during your wrestling fandom? Cause I had no clue. No, I'm like, I
4: knew he had the limited dates thing, but I didn't know that he actually quit because his manager got fired.
3: That's that's something. Yep. And what about you, Logan? I assume you didn't have any idea that he had quit at some point either.
5: No, I don't think I knew that he quit. I watched the A&E thing on Lex Luger, the, the little documentaries, biography documentaries that they do, and I know that he was searching for any reason to get out at this point or any way to get out of his contract just because he was kind of done and he wanted to do the whole World Body Billing Federation thing and you know go to the WWF and wrestle there eventually. Um, but yeah, I, kn- I knew he was kind of trying to get out of his contract however he could because he just wanted out because he was tired of dealing with herd and all the just committee people that he just wasn't fans of so but I did not know he actually quit though
3: yeah so anyway I mean I didn't ask you guys your opinion on Crockett and Muda but um I think those were just I mean I know Schiff brought it up but I do think it's uh kind of some cool nuggets there So, so cool nuggets as we go into our episode tonight And uh, we'll keep that as a feature ongoing on our podcast, and I will get your guys' thoughts on that. So we're going to jump right into it. So our dates this episode are going to be November 23rd through November 30th. It is, of course, um, almost immediately after the clash. Um, Our champions at the time, our TV champion is Austin. Our U.S. champion is Rude. The live heavyweight champion is Pillman. The six-man tag team champions are the York Foundation. The U.S. tag team champions are the Patriots. Uh, and the tag team champions, of course, from our last episode are Dustin Rhodes and Ricky Steamboat. And our world champion is Lex Luger. However, I do think um, the York Foundation and the Patriots both have already not the champions. has been taped over a month ago. But we're going to keep that gimmick going as long as we can until it actually airs on the TV. Um, so that's where we're at. So episode five. So last thing. So do you, do you know what other famous wrestling angle occurred on eleven twenty three ninety one? 91 Susan. Mm-hmm. If
4: I had to guess, was it the Cobra Biting Savage?
3: Good job, right out of the gate So on the same weekend was the same time that they did that controversial Jake the Snake, uh, Randy Savage thing That was probably at the time one of the most brutal things they had ever put on syndicated TV I remember it vividly and it threw me back And I hate snakes um, But that was a pretty savage thing to put on a Saturday morning And I bet it was a very, very controversial One, time.
4: One of my favorite segments of all time
3: Yep, really. Absolutely great angle. Great segment. So if you've never seen it, I'm sure it's up on the YouTube. Just sneak it out. But it was an amazing. So anyway, um, I don't think anything we're going to watch on this show is going to be that extremely controversial, except for <laughs> what we might hate. And we'll leave it at that. All right. Oh,
5: there'll be there'll controversy. That, all right. There'll be <laughs>
3: controversy, but not to the point of where snakes are biting people. So we are going on November 23rd. We are looking at uh, WCW Pro first. And our first match we're going to talk about tonight is a member of our favorite tag team at this time, uh, the, the Patriots, and it is Todd champion versus Rick rude. And immediately it's uh, the U S tag team champion versus the U.S. champ. And I said, should be a big matchup. Well, it is only because Rude beats the crap out of champion. Most of this match, which was amazing. Um, champion is out in full beret, special forces mode. Uh, tonight's Rude's insult is deep South swamp Souths. Um, say that like five times in a row, deep South swamp. <laughs> South. Uh, Size wise, I was kind of shocked to see that Todd is actually bigger. Um, the other note that I made is Paul Lee is holding a tag title belt in place of the U.S. title at this time, as um, this was taped before the class. So they didn't have the U.S. belt, so they used one of the uh, NWA World Tag Team titles in its place, which was hilarious. Um, there's a test of strength that turns into a standoff at a shoulder block. Then another test of strength Todd starts to win, and Rude knees him in the gut. And then the ass whipping begins. There's a clothesline, body slam crowd uh, chance Sting. Uh, Rude goes to the top rope and does an amazing top rope uh, dropkick that sets up the Rude Awakening for three. And Rude busting out a top rope dropkick on a random syndicated TV show against Todd Champion uh, was quite this odd choice and quite something. But I thought it was a nice squash um, with some typical wrestles in between. I went one and a quarter stars on it. I didn't hate it. And that top uh, rope dropkick from Rude was uh, out of the blue. So, Schiff, I'll go to you first. What did you think of this?
2: I actually really enjoyed this match. Um I, I don't know, just seeing Rude like kind of dominate like a bigger guy. I didn't realize Todd Champion was so like just tall. Um and just seeing him like this was a much needed win. I know he had beaten Sting for the US title, but like, you know, he's still like an unknown quantity w- to the fans. So having him just like run through these opponents is good in my opinion. Like you said, that missile dropkick, I was not expecting that. Um for that I'm giving it a star and a half just because he literally hit a missile drop kick out of nowhere, which was unheard of in in
3: 1991. All right. So we're pretty close there. Uh, Susan, what'd you think?
4: yeah I'm with you I went uh, star and a half on it as well uh, really uh, pretty decent squash uh, Todd Champion was fucking buried which I am here for he got like zero offense in and it was absolutely perfect uh, the missile drop kick by Rude was fantastic uh, I, I did think it was a little slow to start but the crowd was still pretty into it even though you know one of the suck shit Patriots was in it so cr- uh, good on them but uh, yeah just a, a basic squash uh, uh, and and as always uh, fuck the Patriots! So starting off. Cool.
3: Well, there'll be more to come on that t- comments. So stay tuned. Oh uh, yes, there will. Thanks for that. Uh, again. Uh, all right, let me get, close us out on this one. What you think? What was your score, Sean? I'm sorry. Uh, mine was one and a quarter. Okay,
5: I, I am going to agree with you. Uh, that's what I went as well. Um, but uh, I, I thought it was a pretty solid squash. There wasn't, there wasn't too much to it. Uh, I thought it was really interesting seeing uh, Rude face a bigger guy. I, you know, he, he's not used to being overpowered, so you get kind of frustrated being overpowered by his champion because was taller and kind of a little bit stronger than him a little bit. Um, but he's forced to kind of wrestle a different style, use cheap shots and kind of be the speedier competitor and for once. I think there was a lot of chin locks uh, from Rude throughout the match, but uh, the drop kick at the end was pretty nasty and awesome, I thought. Um, and the Rude Awakening is always awesome to see. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I went one and a quarter uh, as well with you, uh, but I thought it was a perfectly solid squash.
3: All right, good. So what does that total out to? One second.
5: That would be a 1.35.
3: All right, 1.35. So solid squash. Um, nothing to write home about, but if you want to see Rick Rude do a top rope drop kick on a random freaking syndicated show against one of the Patriots, you should be there for it, because I think all, all of us were. All right, next match. We're going to Worldwide Wrestling, also on November 23rd, 1991. Um, Kind of a big match here. So they have been teasing gradually this um, Bobby Eaton turn. And this is the match that finally happens in. So we are looking at stunning Steve Austin and Arn Anderson taking on a team of Dustin Rhodes and Bobby Eaton. This has also clearly been taped before the clash because at the clash, I said, I, I believe that was the last time we would see Lady Blossom. I lied because this was, this was taped before the clash. So we are still seeing her here. Um, but she is not in uh, matches that, like I said, she's in these matches that were taped months ago, but we will not see her moving forward once the Alliance is formed. Uh, once we talk about it on this show, um, Tony brings up a time of this match. Eaton must've been negotiating with Paul Lee as he is a member of the dangerous Alliance, which by the way, spoiler alert, hadn't even aired on TBS yet that evening. So he's already <laughs> spoiled that uh, Eaton has joined the Alliance. There's no mention of Austin and Arn at all. As Tony says, Reed and Eaton, Um, are the only members, but it won't end there. So they don't even bring up that Arn and Austin are in it, but they bring up that Rude and Eaton are, so I thought that was really, really odd. Um, Arn has no belt, which is right, but not because he lost the belt, because Rude was using it as a U.S. champ, so he had actually borrowed uh, Arn's belt at the taping. That's the only reason why Arn didn't come out with the belt, because in our next match we're going to talk about, the other half of the tag team does come out with his belt. So if you're following along and you're as confused as I am, uh, you should be. Um, this, for me, was a tale of arm work and Bobby tagging in and getting back out quick. Then Dustin faced in peril leading to the end when Arn outside um, throws Dustin in the post. And inside, Bobby goes for the tag and Dustin's not there. Finally, Dustin crawls to the apron and Bobby tags Dustin, lifts him in, and does like one of the most savage shoulder breakers I think I've ever seen. And a confused Austin pins Dustin for the three. And then Bobby walks out. I thought it was a decent match that told a story and brings closure to uh, Eden's turn after a few weeks of signs of being there and guests officially. He is the second active wrestler besides Reed to be inducted into the Dangerous Alliance. I went two and a half, but I think it's definitely a critical point of the official Dangerous Alliance beginning. So I will go to you, Shif. What did you think? I,
2: you know, them being, them saying like, hey, like, oh, he's, I took it as like, that Eaton was negotiating with Dan- with Paul at the time, and we didn't know, and like no one knew that. So I thought that was nice storytelling within the match. Um, and like you said, like the arm work was nice, and I and um, I love Tony had a good line where he's like, "Bobby's already a member of the Dangerous Alliance already, and Dustin has to do all the work," which I thought was good. It was I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed this match. Um, Like, Dustin tried to hurt, and, like, Dustin was hurt and trying to tag. Bobby just walks away. So, like, if you haven't – like, obviously, it hadn't aired yet, so you don't really know what's going on. So, it's like, damn, Bobby's just being a dick. But, like, it's part of the larger storytelling, which I really enjoy with the match. Um, And then, like, Bobby does do some of the work. And, like, you can see when Bobby gets frustrated with him, where Bobby goes to tag and Dustin is out because he got thrown pretty viciously into the post, which I thought, you know – they're just the dangerous lines. Just so damn ferocious. I loved, um, you know, then Bobby, like finally like tags, Dustin in by giving him a shoulder breaker. And then Austin, then just him. The, I went two and three
3: quarters. I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a beautiful storytelling. No, so I liked the storytelling, but you know what? I feel like Shivani blew the story for me out of the gate saying, Eaton's already been in the, like for him to blow that before the end of this, knowing that this is a syndicated show that airs in the morning. And then they're going to do the official thing that night. I think that's why I went two and a half instead of higher, because I think Shivani actually ruined the storytelling for me a little bit. But Susan, what did you think?
4: Yeah, I'm with you guys. I enjoyed this match quite a lot, too. I thought the pace was really great. You know, it didn't really stop all that much. I liked how Eaton kept on tagging in it, tagging himself out. Because, you know, he was in for like maybe 15 seconds and then he tagged himself out. I thought that was a great touch, given what was going on. Uh, I, I thought the finish was really great with, uh, you know, the shoulder breaker. And uh, yeah, I, I thought the uh, the match was really well done and I thought the story was great, too. So uh, I actually the match itself is probably worth two and a half like you went, Sean. But I actually gave it a bit of a bump
3: for the the great storytelling throughout. So I actually went three on this. So the Shivani spoiling it for you, like, think about why, so that didn't didn't spoil it for you because you enjoyed the storytelling as it was, even though you knew what was going to happen that night. Yeah, and I
4: mean, look, to be perfectly honest, it's tough to put myself in 1991 mindset when we're watching Well, that's the problem (laughs)
3: is you got the freaking old bastard that's doing this podcast leading it that remembers it. He's like, ah, God, you motherfucker, you know? Well, well,
2: also, Sean, I took it as like. Tony was saying that he was negotiating with Paulie, not that he had already joined. Ah, uh, fuck him.
3: All right, Logan.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really read that much into it. I just thought it was just normal WCW bullshit that they well, it really out, annou- announced it stuff. It like really yeah. was, yeah. They, yeah. they just announced stuff before. If they didn't
3: have such a fucked taping schedule, we yeah. wouldn't have a... Well, listen to the bullshit that I had to rattle off about all the damn title belts. Isn't that <laughs> That's exactly my point.
5: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Was, they, they buried themselves into situations that, that you know, and I mean, you have you have to mention it because it. I mean, I, I don't. I guess you don't have to, but it's just how it worked out. But um, yeah, I thought it was really good. I went three on it like Matt did. I I, I thought the story was really good. I thought the match was really good. The shoulder blade break, breaker that y'all have been talking about was absolutely disgusting. Um. I think Austin is in a uh, headlock at some point and hearing, hearing him say the, well, hell, son, you know, stuff, he has his voice <laughs> like that. But seeing him or hearing him talk like that with the blonde hair just throws me off for some reason. Uh, it's real jarring for some reason to me. Um, but I I love Bobby just kind of casually walking away from uh, the tags as a kind of a good tease that he's going to turn, uh, you know, kind of, you know, Dustin goes for the tag, and he kind of walks away, talked to the ref for a little bit. Um, I can't exactly remember what the referee does in this, but I have a note that says, this Mike Adkins fella, or ref fella, really is the pits. He sucks so bad. So I made that note. I can't remember exactly what he did, but um, he did something stupid. Um, And while it was kind of teased throughout the match, I thought the turn kind of came out of a little bit of nowhere, but it was also really well done at the same time. So um, I thought it was great.
3: All right, so uh, we are uh, officially—Eaton has officially turned, and we are going to continue on this episode of Worldwide Wrestling. Uh, Logan, uh, did you get the final score on that match? 2.81. All right, not too bad. So pretty solid and a pretty critical turning point of the Alliance being formed. So let's talk about what's probably not a critical point of the Dangerous (laughs) Alliance on our next match, which we'll probably have deferring opinions based on— Oh, it was critical, all right. Well, based on someone's um, (laughs) great love for Larry Zabisco in his life, uh, spoiler alert, probably me. Uh, so we're going to get back into the confusion again. So this is Larry Zbyszko versus the other Patriot uh, podcast favorite, Firebreaker Chip, or Chip the Firebreaker, which annoys it when I say Logan. So I know that makes you <laughs> very angry. Uh, and this is a, another one of those great submit or surrender matches, uh, which we talked about a while ago when they had one with Eaton versus Johnny B. Bad. Uh So Larry does have his tag team belt tonight, even though, Uh, He doesn't, he's not the champion anymore. So again, it's a submit or surrender match. Um, Chip, of course, is the other half of our U.S. Tag Team champions. I am going to catch hell for this comment. I thought it was a hot start with Larry on the attack and Chip hitting a nice back suplex, which by the way, that was a really, really good suplex he hit on Larry. Chip drops his suspenders and then I put, and then you know his shit is on. Uh, Chip rips his pants off and chokes Larry with his pants. Chip continues to beat up Larry with uh with a knee on the ropes, a bad, bad abdominal stretch that Larry screams like childbirth at, an awesome power slam by Chip, a bear hug that he just uses to um, do a front forward slam on Larry. Chip does the worst Boston crowd that I think I've ever seen. Uh, outside the ring, Chip beats Larry up some more and once back in the ring, suplexes him on a reversal. Uh, Larry finally hits a spin karate kick to, uh, to Chip's gut, setting him outside Larry goes outside and gets thrown into the railing. Back in, Chip uh, I said "Chip, Chip punches Larry, but Larry ducks, and Chip gets dropped over the top rope to the floor, and he hurts his knees. From there, Larry attacks the leg as he yells, shut up with some of the worst leg holds I have ever seen until he gets a spinning toe hold, and finally a, a really bad single crab while holding, holding the rope for the submission. So here's my problem. I honestly thought for a chip match he put in the work, but the submissions at the end were so convoluted, so bad. Um, and, and I don't know. Larry never lets me down to the point of where, yes, he's awful, but he yells at people. He's entertaining. He puts bad limb work on. And I don't know what that means when I say he never lets me down and thought, for the most part, this was fire. And I thought Chip was actually the better person in the Mac. Um, All the same, again, bad leg work, some terrible crabs, and oh, yes, don't want to forget – the chip small package to escape the leg that work that Tony blows off as instinct since pins do not count in this match. I actually did go one and a quarter on this match because honestly I was entertained and I know that's probably a shit take but I can't help it. Matt Souza, I know you hated this match. Say what you got to say.
4: <laughs> well, look, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. I'll be perfectly honest. Like uh, when when you said we were gonna watch this match, right? I, I was expecting it to be like all-time bad oh like,
3: we all were shit. oh fuck yeah
4: like <laughs> Absolutely. i was i was thinking dud like right out of the way and look it's not a good match i want to be perfectly clear when i say that it is not a good match but it was not all-time bad like i was expecting it to be now chip looks like a fucking moron going for covers, what, three times during this submit or surrender match. You dumb bastard. You can't win by pinfall. It says it right in the title of the match. So he looks like a fucking moron. But, I mean, honestly, I think the biggest thing for me is that they kept this relatively short. I mean, it was like, what, maybe five, six
3: minutes long. Yeah, I think it was like five and a half or something like like
4: that. I think that that was the best thing going for it, was that it was short, so that they kind of, you know, the pace really didn't bug me all that much like if this was a 10 minute match I think it would have been absolutely terrible so I mean for what we got here it was fine and yes the finish was absolutely terrible uh, the submissions were real <laughs> real bad but I mean I did end up going a star on it just because I think because I was so surprised at you know just Chip actually being able to work a match uh, fairly coherently so yeah uh, I'm, I'm close with you Sean it's yeah. still not a great match by any stretch,
3: but a oh, lot. Better, but a lot better than I was expecting. I think you put it right, Chip. Being fairly coherent, pretty much up until that fucking small package, and then all the leg work at the end. I think he was fairly coherent. Larry, Larry was just Larry was terrible in this match. Uh, Chip, what do you <laughs> think?
2: I did not like this match at all. Um, I just thought it was bad, and like Chip, like you guys said, Chip trying to go for a pin was pretty rough, and I love how larry just throws chip over the top rope somehow it's not a dq um because like the the announcers always have to cover when that happens like oh that's a rough you know judgment call and it's like why not just eliminate the rule it's stupid as shit um but it did set up chip's knee being hurt then you know larry has a horrible half crab and thankfully it was over this was only like seven and a half minutes but it felt like it was 15 i went half (laughs) a star
3: yeah, see, I don't necessarily agree with you, but that, that's, that's a fair statement. I mean, that's why we're here to agree to disagree, which happens all the time. I, I'm i kind of like with Sousa. Again, just because Chip was fairly coherent, I excused it. And the bad legwork at the end actually made me laugh my ass off. So I was at a face. Logan, how about you? Um, I I went
5: one with Matt. Uh, I, I I actually watched this twice. Uh, for some unbegotten reason, I, I'll never know why why I did because, that.
3: Because I was trying to convince you it wasn't as bad as you initially thought. it <laughs>
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sean convinced me that I was a shit stain for giving this half a star originally. So, <laughs>
3: um,
5: but Larry's a real piece of shit to start the match. He jumps for the bell. I think he actually hits him with the belt. Uh, so real piece of shit to start out with he screams so loud throughout this match any little <laughs> submission that he has on any strike he has on it oh! oh you know he's just all over the place i love
3: that so much um, I can't help it.
5: but yeah chip chip conti- continues to be his uh worst of all time this uh level superstar by locking in quite possibly the worst boston crab or whatever the <laughs> fuck that, that was supposed to be um, Larry mercifully ends this by destroying the leg and doing that uh, not so good uh, half crab. Uh, and uh, Matt, I also need you to isolate Sean saying terrible crabs uh, earlier. <laughs> like he was going through his description. So, um, but I yeah, I-, I went one. And uh, the final score would be 0.9375. So, all right. <laughs> so
3: that's one of our top stinkers so far. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Not good stuff, but. Again, if you want to go see some of the worst, like, submission moves you've ever seen in your life, you should watch the end of this match. It's like all-time bad. All right, so speaking of all-time bad, we are now going to the Power Hour uh, (laughs) for match number four. And it is Stunny Steve Austin defending the TV title against gorgeous Jimmy Garvin of the Freebirds. And this will be the first Uh of many Freebirds comments you'll hear. um, uh, Oh, tonight, because we have another match later tonight that we're going to talk about. So... Um, the first note I made is god ninety one Garvin is something with his hair and mustache and ever growing old man gut. Uh, <laughs> Austin is still- oh, <laughs> Austin is still here in Lady Blossom. I put gar- fucking Garvin must have been snorting some dust because he is absolutely fired up out of his mind. Jr. says tonight there is a great deal of speculation that Polly will announce a full, dangerous alliance organization, which seems to be one of his favorite terms uh, in this time frame. Everything's an organization. And Austin, spoiler alert, he says Austin is rumored to be in it on TBS. So then we get another spoiler there. Uh, they tried uh, a bunch of jerky arm holds and then Jimmy goes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This hits at Lady Blossom. Uh, JR says Jimmy Jam is always considered a ladies man as he struts on the apron. Uh, Garvin is on his shit, pimping his hair between shots. Uh, JR mentions Blossom could be absolute or uh, done. If Austin rumors are true, so there's your uh, peak under the tent that she will be leaving. Darwin misses a charge into the corner um, and is nailed with a clothesline on a rebound. Austin hits a gut wrench, a rear chin lock. JR pins the Omni card coming up with rematches from the Clash, as well as uh, Steve Austin versus Brian Pillman for the TV title, which would probably be a banger of a match. Austin hits a nice power slam, goes up top for a splash, and gets the knees to the gut. Garvin runs the ropes at a very fast rate of speed that actually stunned me uh, and clobbers Austin with a savage forearm. Then he hits the neck breaker, then gets distracted by Blossom on the apron. Austin runs his knees into Garvin's back, who collides with Blossom and Austin with a great back suplex that folded up Garvin like a freaking, uh, like he just folded him right up for the three. Again, not a great match. I was entertained. And besides the on chin lock, I did not think this was a terrible match. Now I was actually shot. Garvin held his own. I actually went one and three quarters, and I'm very ashamed of that. But I cannot help it. Souza, what did <laughs> you think of this match? Uh,
4: so I didn't go as high as you. I went a star and a half on it. Um,
3: okay, but we're still in that realm, so we're doing all but, right so far. Yeah.
4: But God, ugh, I hate Jimmy Garvin. I hate him so much. He's just—he doesn't do anything well. He's just—all he does—all he does is strut and look like he's right out of 1983. That's all he does. I mean, he, he plays for the crowd for 15 minutes before anything fucking happens. Like, just do something. And look, I, I thought Austin was pretty good in this match, but as good as Austin was, Garvin was not. Like, Garvin kind of dragged Austin down to his level instead of the other way around, which is why I went a star and a half. So, I did like the detail of... Uh, there was one near the end... um uh, where uh, there was a sunset flip, and then Austin missed a punch and punched the mat, and that led to him falling backwards into the sunset flip. I thought that was really well done, and I did think the finish was pretty good. That back suplex was pretty nasty. So, but uh, yeah, uh, I've never been a Jimmy Garvin fan. This certainly didn't change my mind.
3: So, star and a half for me. Yeah, uh, hold that thought because we're not done with the Freebirds tonight. But what do you think of this match?
2: I will say, uh, getting a better look at Lady Blossom, he Austin clearly has a type. Um, <laughs> at least during that. I can't speak for his current wife. I will say that he had a nice. Um, there was a nice. Um, hell, son, I like me a blonde with some big titties.
4: <laughs> oh hell yeah! <laughs> that damn pal, damn um, pal. <laughs>
2: Like, there wasn't much happening at first, but the match did pick up. We had a nice gut-wrench suplex and a nice power slam from Austin. And Austin off the top rope and Jimmy Jam actually got his knees up, which I was like, damn. Like, you know, Jimmy Jam's got his working boots on for him. And then, you know, like we said with the ending, um, just Austin gets a back suplex. And one thing I want you guys to notice, because I picked it up after my the third or fourth Austin match here, Austin does not have a finishing move. So if you guys can point me out to what his finishing move was in 1991, because he ends every match with something else.
3: It's the hot shot. It's the hot shot. Yeah. The stun gun. Yeah. The stun gun. gun. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The stun gun. We'll see
5: it later.
2: (laughs) But he only uses it once. Right. But that's why I was like, hmm, he doesn't have one. I want a star and a half. Um, I enjoyed it. It's nice to see Austin, like, you know, starting to work his way up. It's amazing how pretty good he was even in 91, despite wrestling for maybe less than
3: two years. So, He's very good, very very good. And again, that suplex that he folded up on Garvin at the end was fucking brutal. Uh, Logan, what do you think of this? Um,
5: I, I'm kind of in line with y'all. Garvin's kind of trash, and I I love Austin, but he doesn't look the greatest in this match. I'll say. Um, I thought the little arm lock hair pull battle was pretty good to start. Um, Garvin flirts with Blossom, which leads me to ask in that situation if they hooked up, which one would give the other chlamydia? So, sorry. But, sorry, sorry. Sure. Um, I know this is a serious <laughs> podcast, so I'll, I'll hold hold Fair back. Question.
3: <laughs> the, north, the north south feed has regulations logan come hey, on
5: I, i'm sorry i i
3: we're, we're not on we're not on we're not a place to be i'll <laughs> try to
5: I'll, I'll try to be professional here i'm sorry nice. i'm not I'm getting out of line um but <laughs> i thought there was a lot of stalling and ref complaints from austin uh I, while it does get him over as a heel i don't think it exactly makes for the most entertaining match uh at, at the same time um, I thought Austin had some good power stuff throughout but he really used the rear neck rear chin lock uh kind of like Rude did in the first match a, a lot when he was on offense. Uh, I thought the knees up on the top rope dive was kind of gross and the then the super duper forearm is what I called it when he ran back and forth and back and forth on the rope and finally hit the forearm.
3: I thought uh, that was pretty good. I thought Yeah, that I was, thought it was really good. good.
5: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um and then I I kind of liked that he had I, I like and don't like that he had to cheat to win because i feel like I, I for some reason i want austin to like dominate these assholes but uh, he oh. just never does so yeah th- that's going to be a point of contention the rest oh, of the episode, geez. But... Wait till our last match uh, tonight you want to talk about yeah. it's
1: going
5: to yeah. piss us off yeah yeah, yeah. austin austin we'll, we'll talk about him as a go on but he's not exactly lighting lighting me on fire in this uh run so far
3: All right. So you went, what, one and a half? Oh,
5: yeah, one and a half. Sorry, yes. And the the total would be 1.56.
3: All right. Um, Yeah, okay. So we only have uh, one match over two stars tonight after four matches, so we're on a roll. All right. So we're going to Saturday night now. um, And the first thing I'm going to bring up, they actually bring up the debut of one Marcus Alexander Bagwell that occurred on this evening, on this Saturday night. So. We will see Marcus Bagwell at some point as he does run into the alliance, but we're not there yet. I'm sure you guys cannot wait till that happens.
4: But I mean, anyway, it's big. It's his, uh, the first year of his 10 year reign as rookie of the year. So
3: it really, yes, it really is. And it's a really big deal because he gets involved with sting and they try to shoot him to the top, but we'll get to that later on in this, po- uh, in, as this pod goes on. All right. So our top 10, so I'm going to jump right into our top 10 for this week. Uh, PM news at number 10, big van Vader at number nine, cactus, Jack, at number 8, Scott Steiner at number 7. Mr. Hughes at number 6. Dustin Rhodes at number 5. Steve Austin at number 4. Sting is number 3. Rick Steiner at number 2. And your number 1 contender, Lex Luger, is ravishing Rick Rude. So, uh, Matt, any thoughts on the top 10 this week?
4: Uh, Mr. Hughes at number 6 renders this list null and void. Okay, good comment. Chef. Uh PN News being number 10.
2: Uh, horrible. Mr. Hughes 6 and Rick Rude 1. It, it's like, why have these top 10 if you're going to have two heels back-to-back? Because then people will be asking where's the Broodin',
3: uh luger match. Oh, because it was always it was always stated that whoever the U.S. champion is is the number one contender, so that's just... Okay, so they well, don't
2: have a well, then I call bullshit because, in a sorry, in a later one, uh, Rick Steiner's number one.
3: Well, you know, it's WCW. They can't get their taping schedule right. They put on different <laughs> belts on fucking people. What do you want, Schiff? It's okay. very clear what's happening here at WCW. <laughs> Uh, Maybe they
5: secretly booked him to be the U.S. champion and changed their mind.
3: Yeah, and then they gave him the Western States Heritage title <laughs> as, a, as God his God damn it, belt. you beat me to it. I was just going to say that. <laughs> all right, <look> at <laughs> any thoughts on this top ten?
5: Uh, I'm kind of with Matt. PN News and Mr. Hughes being on this and all renders it completely invalid, so bullshit list. Right.
3: Bullshit on the top ten. All right, we're going to jump right into our next thing. Which is finally, we have the formation of the Dangerous Alliance that's been spoiled on all the syndicated shows this weekend. So if you watch syndication, you were basically you had to go fuck yourself. So tonight, uh, we're <laughs> we go to we, we side with Jim Ross. And uh, Paulie Dangerously says that the first phase of his hostile takeover of WCW is completed A Clash of the Champions. And he brings out U.S. champion Rick Rude uh, with uh, Medusa. Uh, says, uh, Rude will finish off Sting in a rematch at the Omni on Thursday. Paulie introduces two members of the Dangerous Alliance, Aaron Anderson and Larry Zbysko, as he explains that they came to him looking for legal advice after WCW basically gave them the shaft by inserting Steve-O into the tag team title battle out the Clash. They are greeted by handshakes from Rude Medusa. The enforcers then come out as Dangerously turns his attention to the world television title match at the Omni on Thursday. So they're really pimping this Omni show. Um, where Pillman will actually challenge our other new Dangerous Alliance member, stunning Steve Austin, and as the stunning as the TV champion strides out um, to join his new stablemates, dangerously explained that their group. You hear this at the beginning of every one of these pods, as Matt has done an amazing job uh, inserting this promo into our intro song. Um, he says, uh, "Let's see, where did oh, I lost my place, guys?" He says that this is not a. It's hang on, I'm finding that it is. Explains that their group isn't a stable or a family. It's an alliance of businessmen who will bring WCW down to its knees. And the final new member of the alliance, Dangerous, reveals, I don't know where this just came from, because I don't recall this ever being a thing, that one of Sting's best friends to talk Sting into going to the hospital as part of the plot to strip from the U.S. title at The Clash, Bobby Eaton. Um, then claiming that Larry Zabisco is also sick enough to handle the alliance's dirty work, Paul Lee officially bestows the nickname, the cruncher upon him because of the way he crunched Barry Wyndham's wrist in the car door at Halloween Havoc. Next on the agenda is the world tag team title rematch on Thursday at the Omni as Paul announces that they'll be given a new chance at taste of their own medicine by making a substitution. Um, so, yeah, so this is kind of like the official end of the enforcers and the official beginning of uh, Anderson and Eat becoming a team, which in retrospect sounds amazing because one, Larry is, butt, and, uh, <laughs> Eaton and Arn Anderson are two of the greatest <laughs> tag team uh, wrestlers of all time. So that popped me immediately at the time. That's just an amazing team to think about. Um, they started promo talking about how many tag titles he and Bobby um, have won together and have earned between them, indicating that they would be the ones teaming together. But Ricky Steamboat and Dustin Rhodes walk out and interrupt them. And Steamboat using the word squirt in 1992 cracked me up because he caught, <laughs> caught one of them squirt to Paul E. Uh, Dragon says it doesn't matter who's Arn's partner will be and tells him to bring it on Thanksgiving night. And gentlemen, We officially have the Dangerous Alliance. We officially have the Cruncher Larry Zabisco. We officially have Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson as potentially one of the greatest tag teams of all time. And we are a go from here for the rest of this pod show history as far as the Alliance being a team. Uh, Souza, I will go to you first. What did you think of the formation?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic segment. Uh, Again, you can hear parts of it on the intro, uh, so you can actually hear what I'm about to say, and that is that Paulie is absolutely amazing here. Mm -hmm. I I mean, just the way he runs down, he runs through everybody in the Alliance. He says why they join, why they're here, why I put them together. It's just, he's, uh, Paulie is amazing, as it turns out. He's a hell of a speaker, just unbelievable stuff i like they like you sean like you said they're really pumping up this thanksgiving night show at the omni so uh you know hopefully we'll get to see clips of that i hope we do because that could be uh something cool to see i like that roads and steamboat come down at the end and uh yes like you uh i noticed uh, steamboat calling someone squirt in 1992 <laughs> like he's on the like he's on the fucking playground at school what are you doing good lord like steamboat was he's an amazing wrestler but god he was never a great promo and it shows here but yeah this was amazing amazing stuff if you've never seen this segment i uh highly encourage you to watch it it's even if you're not interested like just to hear paulie just go off for 10 minutes on everybody it's amazing so yeah Absolutely. great amazing stuff
3: here agree with you 100 percent uh chef what'd you think
4: 1991
3: paul
2: Heyman cuts an amazing promo in 2022 paul hayman c- uh, cuts an amazing promo um just he's just so good um i loved him in, in, introducing everyone and sean the reason i uh, like was saying like oh sting's best friend one thing i liked i talk about this on uh on crock and roll as well is like i love how all the baby faces are friends so him still alluding to that with bobby eaton and sting being friends is a, a nice little you know knife in the back for sting and um him coming out because we had seen like the heel turn come here and there because like, you know, he had knocked out. um I want to say like when, when he was fighting the York foundation, I think with um, Z man and I want to say Pillman, like they were just, he was just letting like Z man get his ass beat. So we've seen like the heel turn coming here and there. And like, you know, he even knocked out one of the uh, firebreaker fire, chip, the Firebreaker. So that was nice to come out. Um, firebreaker Larry's chip. yeah. Firebreaker chip. Uh <laughs> Larry, tip the fire Larry's name now now known as the Cruncher. It's like maybe he got that nickname. I know he like where he got it from, but I think like maybe he eats a cereal real loud and like sounds like he's crunching on the Wheaties. Just, just, Gosh. <sighs> he does.
5: He does everything really loud. So yeah, it's true. Yeah.
2: Um, but Dustin and Ricky coming out, I like that because it's it's showing like they're not only fighting Sting, but they're also fighting the other top WCW baby faces
3: so overall great segment you you loved it oh oh yeah it, it was amazing like I couldn't take my eyes off the screen all right Logan close us out yeah this,
5: yeah yeah this is an all-time segment uh Pauly's great uh he him introducing everybody is awesome uh just kind of individually going through each guy and uh listen kind of their accolades and things about them uh is absolutely amazing um yeah Steamboat steamboat wild great in the ring uh not a very good shit talker so he comes out and calls you know whoever he calls a squirt uh, sounds like a loser a little bit
1: I think um yeah yeah that would
5: yeah that would make most sense um but yeah and i think he actually shits on medusa a little bit so that popped me um oh.
1: but
5: <laughs> um but yeah just 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 great all around um i, I think uh, Larry being the Cruncher is a little, little ridiculous, but you know, I, I it gives it gives him something to have, I guess. So uh, I'll, I'll go along with it, I guess. But um, yeah, just all time stuff from Paulie here, and uh, it proves uh, that he was was the great uh, was a great talker back then, and continues to be
3: to this day. Yeah, the Cruncher, especially after the submissions we saw in that submission mm-hmm. match, they should call him Larry the Shits Zabisco instead of the Cruncher. He should be called the Shits. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's terrible, but. Hey, the good news is, at least he's out of the Enforcers, and now hopefully we'll get some pretty good tag team matches out of it at this point. Which, as we go to our first, uh, we're going to November 30th now, and we're going to watch two matches from that. We're going to continue November 30th on our next episode. We're going to watch two matches uh, from Worldwide on November 30th. And the Enforcers aren't technically done yet, because in our first match uh, from this weekend, it is Brian Pillman and Tom Zink, and I'll tell you their partner in a minute, Versus Arne Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Larry Zbyszko. So kind of a cool six-man here. The Enforcers combination with Aaron and Eaton, this could work out pretty well. Uh, you have Pillman and Zink, who are former U.S. Tag Team Champions from, like, 1990. So they're a proven team, and Pillman's also your light heavyweight champion. And then you have Mike fucking Graham. Like, where did Mike Graham come from in 1991 <laughs> that he is placed in this six-man? I don't even remember She's him being gone. in WTW <laughs> in 1991. So, uh, maybe, yeah, he's
2: actually... Um in the Battle Bowl against Jushin Liger. That's how many
3: times I've watched it. I, I well, I've watched, well, you know what? I watched Battle Bowl, too, and I think I put Mike Graham out That is a
4: crime mind. against humanity, that yeah, he wrests Jushin Liger. It, it,
3: yeah, I think, wow. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens when we get to that in a few weeks. Uh, maybe I'll call out sick for that one. But anyway, you're the host, you can't I, do that. You know, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. No, I'm kidding. I'll still watch it. So the crowd loses it for the faces immediately. And Mike Graham, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like a Greg Gagne match, but Greg Gagne has this really bad habit when he runs in the ring as the spindly motherfucker that he is, like coming in all fired up and acting like he's threatening all the heels. And they did the same thing with Mike Graham where he like enters the ring and I said he's cosplaying fired up Greg Gagne because it's like those butt-ass wrestlers that people – like laugh at they try to make them these badass ass wrestlers. And, and Mike Graham's is one of those same people where they like <laughs> he's terrible on commentary he's been terrible in every match I've seen so he pots me as he threatens all the heels as Tony tries to convince us he is one of the toughest men in wrestling and Tony Sofani actually says that about Mike Graham <laughs> uh Eaton traps Graham in a heel corner but he knows better and escapes instantly as Larry gets a tag there's a crisscross that leads to a blind tag to Pillman and a crossbody on Larry's Abisco for two uh, Zabisco tries to trap Pillman in his corner, uh, but Pillman fights out and clears the ring of all the heels. Pillman withs Arn into the face corner for a triple ass kicking, and that leads to a brawl with the Dangerous Alliance on the floor. Uh, Larry is yelling at the crowd for his norm. Uh, Zank tags and delivers the drop kicks, but Arn goes to the eyes and tags in Larry, uh, who delivers a suplex and covers for two before Zink runs away and tags in Graham. The crowd, I, I can't believe this, they really get behind Graham as the face in peril uh, at the, for the rest of this match he's pulled out to the floor and double-tee by Anderson and Eaton while Zabisco distracts the ref, who happens to be McPatrick. Back in, uh, Bobby Eaton delivers a backdrop for two, but then Arn ducks uh, low off a whip, and we get a hot tag to Pillman, uh, and who goes dropkick crazy and gives Arn and Larry a double noggin knocker. It turns into a ball as Billman, uh, Pillman catches Arn with a flying crossbody, but Eaton comes down on Pillman with a double-axe hammer for the top. Arn drakes his Arn on Pillman as the ref... Um, gets back in the ring um, for being on the floor and counts, one, two, three. This match was only seven minutes. I thought it was a really fantastic six, man, even with Graham in it, with great teamwork by both teams. And again, even with Graham in it, who I am no fan of whatsoever, I thought he pulled his part. I actually went three and a quarter stars. I actually really, really liked this match. Shif, what did you think?
2: Uh, first off, I had Medusa looking like she's a count, uh, like money <laughs> Cristo when she came out.
1: Jesus
4: Christ.
3: Oh yeah, that's right. She sure did. I, I yeah. thought it was kinda hot. I know Logan's gonna shit
1: on
4: it. Well never mind. I'm not gonna do an old joke. Go ahead, Shiff. Mike,
2: speaking of old, Mike Graham looks sixty five years old. <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> um yeah, like, Jesus. Um I will say that like this was like Pillman was just awesome. Like I loved Pillman growing up and seeing him that like seeing him like come back was just great um dangerous alliance looked like they've been teaming together for years on this it was just such uh, and then we actually have brian pillman get the visual pin but bobby axe handle off the rope, which i was like i have written here why couldn't it be the uh, alabama jam but that, that'll be later and the dangerous alliance wins i went to two and three quarters on this i thought it was really good
3: mm. so i went way higher than you and half a star higher susan what about you uh, you also
4: went higher than me I also went two and three quarter on this I, I thought a lot of it was uh, Fairly standard stuff and honestly uh, To be perfectly honest Mike Graham kind of took Me out of it a little bit with See, his I feel 19- like you
3: put certain wrestlers in our matches were automatically shitting on I think you guys do I think I try to keep it stable Whereas it's like oh it's Mike Graham two three quarters <laughs> Yes that's what I did
4: uh, That's that's exactly what my notes say Mike Graham two and three quarters How did you know
1: That's fair but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's fair.
4: Uh, Uh, I actually had uh, a shift. I actually had uh, that uh, Medusa was dressed like a nun from the 1700s. But there's
3: uh, the old joke. I get it. There
4: there is the old joke. You're right. Uh, We get a crisscross spot at one point. Like it's 1978. Uh, I I thought it was fairly basic stuff. Now uh, let's talk about Mike Graham, shall we? You know, there's, there's only, there's only one man who could bring 1975 offense into 1991. And that man is Mike Graham. Good lord, he he's he does look 65 during this match. I must say, like there's one point, I, it's near the end, like right before he makes the tag, where he nearly stumbles into the ropes because he's like fucking out of gas. He's just now booked. you
3: understand my Gagne reference. This is a very AWA type wrestler that you see right. in 75. That's why i mean named up.
4: Exactly, very. He's a very AWA wrestler, which means he's boring. So that makes perfect sense to me. So yeah, I, I did like the uh, the finish. I thought uh, Arnie and then Larry uh worked really well together like shift said i think it looks like they've been teaming each other with each other for years so uh yeah two and three quarter for me was a, a fairly uh standard match here
3: okay fair enough and uh, logan what do you think uh,
5: I, I thought it was i thought it was pretty good uh pillman was definitely the standout uh graham definitely looked uh 65 years old throughout the whole thing um and definitely wrestled very very awa ish very uh early early 80s late 70s ish um, I had Medusa looking like Connecticut bl- blue blood Triple H, but uglier. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus
3: Christ. So,
5: uh, but, ug-
3: yeah. but uglier, but, but uglier, yeah. <laughs> um,
5: out of the three da- non-danger members in this uh, match, I don't think I would have chosen Graham to start. Uh, start the match off, but he kind of holds his own. Uh, to start. The crisscross spot is straight out of the Hogan era, uh, early Hogan era matches. It was absurd, but it leads to a pretty sweet crossbody from uh, Pillman, uh, which Larry absolutely sells like death and comes up hollering like he always does, which was great. Um, I love Arn being trapped in the face corner, and uh, he kind of does the little uh, flare-like flop when he gets out of the corner, falls flat on his face. I mean, the Alliance members are completely flustered in the early going and totally off guard the whole time. Um, I'm glad they finally got the got the advantage on Z-Man and Graham and didn't actually get it on Pillman. Uh, Pillman comes in at the end, like you said, a house of fire. Uh, the ref completely loses control. It, it turns into chaos just absolutely all over the place. And of course... Uh, While maybe looking weak, uh, the the Alliance are very cunning and use kind of some underhanded tactics to end up winning. But I went two and a half. I went a little lower than y'all, but I I did enjoy it uh, like y'all did.
3: Okay. Well, it was my favorite match of the whole pod tonight, I think. But that's okay. I mean, I think we're all kind of in that same realm a little bit. So um, no harm, no foul. But I I think we all agree uh, Mike Grahams can uh, get the fuck so we never have to see him ever again on this show. (laughs) 2.81 for the uh, final grade on that one. All right. So that's kind of close to that other one that we did. What was? It's exactly
5: correct. Yeah, exactly. Wow.
3: (laughs) We'll talk about that at the end. All right. Last but not least, and certainly wish this was not our last uh, match of the night. Uh, It is also on Worldwide Wrestling on November 30th. And it is yet another TV title match. Steve Austin uh, having a lot of matches tonight. It is Steve Austin taking on the other half of uh, the fabulous Freebirds. uh, Michael P.S. fucking Hayes. Um, if you recall, uh, I believe it might have been on our first or second episode, I believe that Michael Hayes actually got a pinfall over Steve Austin in a tag team match. Do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, well, so here's our uh, payoff that I know we all wanted. So uh, Hayes, speaking of sixty five year old men, uh, Hayes is so outdated <laughs> here. And I put, how did Austin draw the lucky straw to face both Freebirds for this episode tonight? Uh, Hayes and Austin work the crowd basically the whole match and just working some arm bars, headlocks, chin lock, and hammer locks. Polly is talking on the phone to the bookers asking who booked this shit. At six <laughs> minutes in, Austin delivers some back elbows and more chin lock. Hayes comes back with the left jab and goes for the DDT, but Austin shuts him off. He still manages to hit the DDT, but he slowly covers for two as Austin gets his foot on the rope. Hayes pounds away and covers just as the fucking 10-minute limit expires. Austin then hits a hot shot into the turnbuckle on Hayes and walks out. And I put, why the fuck can't Austin just beat this motherfucker? Uh, Stupid. Was not a fan of this match. I went a quarter star. This match fucking sucked. And I hate Michael Hayes. I hate the Freebirds. And unfortunately, our next episode is going to be even worse with the Freebirds bullshit. So, uh, Shif, what did you think? Jesus, Sean. It's
2: usually like me or Susan that's that angry. No, oh, I just,
3: match, oh, no, just wait. No, this match made me so fucking angry; it's not even funny. <laughs> did I you say did. quarter star? I went a quarter star. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, I got you. All right. Yeah.
2: Oh, I thought I was gonna be the low man, but it looks like I may be the high man. Um, I like Austin reversing the DDT. Then he hit a nice suplex. Um, but this was like a like Hayes should not be in 1991. Freebirds should not be in any form. They should be putting over talent, not you know. I know the TV champ is like, you know, the they third should be, tier. They should
3: be put to sleep, not putting over talent. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, Chip. I couldn't resist. You threw it out there. I had to say
2: it. So vote yes for euthanasia in November. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, like, hey, he's got the pin, but Austin's foot was on the rope. Then he gets a pin as time expires. It's just a horrible ending, in my opinion. Um, I actually want a star on it um how dare you <laughs> like there was some limb work at first but yeah it was like Austin <laughs> Austin was a part where Austin threw himself in haze over the top rope to take control which I thought was pretty smart because he knew he was getting his ass whipped so I but yeah it's just a star barely so
3: that, that, that's it okay one star for shift a quarter for me uh Sousa this fucking sucked <laughs> sure holy did. hell
4: so f- f- they finally lock up after what seemed like thirty-seven minutes of stalling, and then it's nothing but arm locks and headlocks. And then five minutes happened, and nothing is. I legitimately thought that like this was going to go to a time limit draw, and all they were going to do was arm locks and headlocks. I thought that's where we were going. This is just real bad, and the worst part, like you guys have said. Why are we treating Michael Hayes like he's a fucking equal to Stone Cold? This isn't uh, 1984, or I guess stunning at this point, excuse me. This isn't 1984. What the hell are we doing? Like, this makes Austin look so bad (laughs) that he can't finish off a way past his prime Michael Hayes. And I get that, like, what? Half of the TV title matches at this point went to a time limit draw, but not against fucking Michael Hayes. Like, come on, like, Michael Hayes should lose to Austin. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, and it doesn't help that the match absolutely sucked, too. So I might have been a little more lenient if the match was actually fairly decent and it ended in a draw. But the fact that the the match absolutely sucked, too, uh, does not help matters. So uh, I only went
3: half a star on this. This match sucks. Imagine in 1991, Steve Austin 1 gets pinned by Michael P. S. P- Hayes, and then defending his title, he goes to a 10 minute draw in 1991 mm-hmm. with Michael Hayes. Yep. Like that itself just makes me sick. Logan, what'd you Absurd. think?
5: Absurd. Yeah, I, I went half a star as well. This This really sucked. Um, lots of, uh, stalling and pumping circumstance from Hayes at the beginning, stomping and pointing at the crowd, doing the old Hulk Hogan, like holding his ear up to the crowd to hear him chant for him. Uh, when I can't imagine anybody that's has any sane thought about wrestling, it would be cheering for Michael Hayes at this point, um, <laughs> But as per usual, uh, as it seems in every Steve Austin match, which is continuing to just blow my mind and piss me off all at the same time, they make it, uh, Hayes makes him look like an absolute fool. and most of the most of the offense that Hayes can come up with are rest holds, arm locks, headlocks, like Matt was saying. Finally on a spill to the outside, Austin takes over and he, I mean, his offense looks good. He looks really great on offense, but he just gets so little of it and he just gets so worked over. And, you know, I know he's a heel and he's kind of a, you know, uh, he's kind of a cowardly heel to, to somewhat, but I would like to see him get a little bit more control. Um, but, yeah, Hayes seems super over with this crowd. I don't know if they—they they probably mic'd in some stuff, but uh, they, they, they seem to really be behind them. And, but, like, him getting a visual pin on Austin is ridiculously dumb. I think at some point he got some kind of visual pin uh, and the ref was distracted or uh, something to that effect. But, yeah, just, just not a good match. And Austin continues to look like just an absolute uh, jackass because he gets keeps getting worked over by these idiots that they throw him in the ring with.
3: All right, so Logan, what's the total tally on that one? Uh, 0.56. All right, (laughs) closing it out on a good note tonight. So that is it for this episode. So let's kind of do our awards, um, and then we'll do our plugs, and then we'll move on. So uh, I guess here we go. Most dangerous tonight, Sousa. Oh, boy. That's tough. (laughs) Uh, I
4: think I'm going to go Paulie for that segment where he introduced the dangerous Alliance. Cause like no, no real wrestlers to me kind of really stuck out. So yeah. And it was a lot of these were uh, uh, involved Austin and Austin certainly isn't the most dangerous.
3: <laughs> so uh, yeah,
4: I think I'm going to go Paulie here.
3: I am with you. I'm going to go with Paulie for that amazing promo that he just rattled off when the Alliance formed. I'm with you, Schiff.
2: I'm going with Bobby. Um for turning against Dustin.
3: And oh, then, that's a good that's a good one. That's
2: and then good. when he got added to the Dangerous Alliance, Pauly adds more to it with them saying, Yeah, he was the one that helped us plot with he actually throws I remember he says this, he throws Bobby in there with rude, Medusa, and Luger as helping plan this.
3: So uh my most dangerous is Bobby. Yeah, Bobby master strategist. That's what, <laughs> he's, that's what he's known for. That <laughs> that and his promo skills. Right. Um, but no, I agree, but no, I do agree with that. I mean you definitely he definitely had some spotlight on him tonight with the turn and uh that intro. So great that's a really actually a great pick. Logan, what do you think?
5: Uh Paulie for sure. I, I with just with that promo, it was it was on all-time kind of promo, so it's got to be him for me tonight.
3: Okay. Uh good luck on this one. Uh least dangerous, <laughs> It's easy for me. It's Austin. Okay, I'm going to disagree. Huh. I'm going to so the way I look at it is Okay, so Austin was in that tag team match, and he pinned Dustin. Yes, he was against the Freebirds, but he also pinned Garvin and won that match. I'm actually going with Larry, and the reason why I'm going with Larry is those submissions Shh. at the end of that match, as much as uh, I was entertained, were some of the fucking worst submission spots I've ever seen in my entire life as a wrestling fan. So I'm going with Larry. Schiff?
2: I'm going with Austin. Um... The draw with Hayes, and then he can barely beat Garvin.
3: But he also won the, he got the pin in the tag team match too. I'm just telling you, I don't think you guys are giving Austin enough credit tonight. But I digress, Logan. But those
2: left more of a bad taste in my mouth than the one mm-hmm. Cruncher Max. Yeah, but
3: how- he
5: he needed the help of the other person's partner to beat Dustin. But yeah, Austin is the only vote here. Like, you can't, you, you shouldn't even think about going otherwise because he looked well, like yeah, an absolute. I,
3: can. I can't. going looked- to Forgive Larry with those fucking submissions. That was. I can't believe you guys are not overlooking that. That's crazy. But anyway, but,
5: uh, yeah. Well, he wasn't as featured as Austin was, and Austin looked like a fool right. almost that's, every match he was in. Thing. So
4: that's the thing. He's so. the TV champ, and he's having two dogs of a match, two dog-like matches, and that which and he, weren't his, weren't his fault, but. You know, it counts against him regardless. But Yeah, he gets wait, completely
5: wait. he gets completely worked over in both matches by both Freebirds. So it's just it's inexcusable. So that's the definite
3: layup answer. Boy, I can't wait till our next episode where he takes on Spider-Man and the Freebirds again. <laughs> <laughs>
5: he'll he'll probably be in contention again. God
3: damn. Yep. Steve Austin. God, God, Steve Austin listen to this podcast. He's like, God damn, Jesus man.
4: Christ, son, you're putting me in the least dangerous.
3: God damn! Uh, all
5: right, I was trying to be a shitbag heel. I mean, I was trying to work my gimmick.
3: <laughs> all right, well, I guess I'm in the minority. So clearly, the winners tonight are Polly on most dangerous, and least is uh, Austin. So I believe that tides Austin with Eaton now, right? As, that's correct. Wow, that's pretty. And amazing. Polly
5: takes the lead with uh, most
3: dangerous. So, okay, uh, who's the best match?
4: Uh, I went with Austin Arn versus Rhodes Eaton at th- three stars.
3: Okay. I went with the six man with a uh, sixty five year old Graham at three and a quarter. Siflet.
2: I uh, hold on. Which match did I have? I All right, had the – Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just had
2: a brain fart. Um okay. I had the um Eaton and Dustin Rhodes versus Arn and Steve Austin. All right. There's two already.
3: I assume Logan's going with that one too.
5: Yeah, that one that one was mine. I had that one as three.
3: Man, I'm the total minority on most of these awards tonight, but that's okay. That's usually the way it is. That's because
5: you're trying to be political about it.
3: No, it's because I have shit takes, apparently. Well, well, that's true. All right. So, big one. And this is a hard one to answer. So, on the journey so far, and we finally had the formation, on a scale of one to five, where would what we watched on this episode fall? On a scale of one to five, uh, Susan? Ooh. Yeah,
4: this is a real tough one because I mean, we saw a lot of uh, hot trash d- during this episode, <laughs> but but I feel like the fact that we actually have the formal introduction of the dangerous alliance that has to count for something. So like, I feel like if we didn't have that or like the Bobby Eaton stuff, like this, I think pretty easily is a one. But I think because of the Bobby and stuff, because we have the formal introduction, I'm going to bump it up to a two and a half based solely on Bobby and, and the uh, the indu- introduction formally of the Dangerous Alliance.
3: Yeah, I was going to kind of call a spade a spade and go three on that one, because one, you had to eat and heal turn, right, which officially cemented it. Um, and then, of course, you have, you know, the formation. So I feel like if I went less than three, I'd probably be doing an injustice. But. You aren't kidding. This might be the hottest of trash in terms of matches we've seen so far. So I certainly hope after the formation it gets better. Um, Shif, what did you think?
2: Yeah, I'm going, I'm going three as well because like it's really buoyed by um, the sports entertainment with the promos and not the matches, which is kind of shocking and something weird to be saying in 1991 and not you know 2001 or 2021. So that's why I'm going, I'm going three. Um, If like like Susan said, if it wasn't for the formation, this would be like
3: a 0.5. All right. Fair enough. And Logan.
5: Yeah, this, if it weren't for those couple of things, it might be the worst episode we've had so far. Um, but I'll go two and a half with Matt. I I think those two things are strong enough to get it there, but the matches and everything else that happened are just so disappointing, but the promo and the, in the turn were were great. Um, but yeah, it's just just not our best in ring episode that we've seen. But the promo that we got was really great in all time. So I'll go two and a half.
3: All right. So I think all total two. What is that? I had we had two threes and two two and a halfs on that.
5: Two and three quarters. So.
3: Two and three quarters. All right. So yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to watch all these matches. I mean, there is some cool stuff in here, but definitely watch the. Uh, Formation, And I would actually go back and watch the uh, tag team match where he turned, turn and I'd actually watch the six man too with uh, Graham in it. But um, the rest of this stuff, unless you want to be fully entertained by really bad, bad shit, avoid the rest <laughs> of it like the fucking plague. <clears throat> um, so with that, that ends this episode tonight of episode number five. Um, next episode, I am thrilled to say we have more greatness with the Patriots. Uh, we have more, uh... lots, lots more greatness with the Freebirds. Oh, uh, we have the York Foundation, we have PN News, and we have Arachnoman, So we really have a really big pooperie Do network. you have
2: anybody <laughs> good from Web City?
3: <laughs> from Web City, uh, yes. Uh, like you brought up earlier, Souza, we do have footage from Omni, so we will oh, have that God. at least to look forward to. Jesus. All right, so um, I won't. Get done. And maybe a match that makes me the most legit angry that you've heard me up to this point on this podcast. Mm. So you have that to look forward to in episode number six. All right, so before we go, uh, plugs, Mr. Souza. Uh, You can find
4: me right here on this feed on the Extreme Three-Way Dance. We are post-Barely Legal now, and uh, as of this recording, the latest episode of that podcast dropped where we covered four episodes of Hardcore TV, post-Barely Legal, so give that a listen. And uh, one Sean Kidd was a guest on a little show called Piece of the Action, which will be returning in the month of October, so keep your eyes out for that on the Place to Be Nation pop feed, and you can find me on Twitter at MSUSA1991.
3: I will talk about that in a minute when I get to my plugs because October should really be Sean Kid Month. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Scott Shiflet, i am really shitting on myself. Scott Shiflet, go ahead. Um,
2: yeah, check out uh, Crock and Roll on the PTDN uh, wrestling feed, and uh, I can be found on Twitter at Scott Shiflett. All
3: right, Logan um
5: i just did a guest spot on 9021 no so so check that out we uh covered season two episode five um and then i also was just on ruthlessly aggressive with jake we did the two shows after no way out 2003 so also check that out and uh highway to the impact zone is uh show i host on the place of Be nation wrestling feed uh we just did genesis 2005 so we will be doing our next episode will be the two shows after that so looking forward to continuing the Journey to 2006 for that one. So,
3: and, and Logan, don't forget, I think the Friday before this podcast drops, you were also guest on the second part of June, Crack and Roll. So that is correct. You'll be on there as well. Logan, all over the freaking feeds uh, over the past month, which I will be in October. So um, <laughs> October, So Matt and I were joking about this. Yes, I'll be on Piece of the Action. Um, a fantastic movie called Roadhouse that mm-hmm, Matt and mm-hmm. I had an absolutely great time on. Um, I will also be returning to uh, Freak Out Drive-In. Uh, to talk the movie thinner and i will be returning the ruthlessly aggressive podcast uh on that uh pod as well the great news about all that which is a funny rib is it's also the one year anniversary since i've been on any one of those shows uh, so enjoy the month of october while you can because it'll be another year before you see me on any of those shows ever again Mm-hmm. Um,
2: October, more like Sean Tober. Yeah,
3: more like Sean. So that's why I was fun. I was joking. It should be called Sean Kid Month, uh, but you know. Anyway. More
5: like Blatober.
3: Yeah. Blot. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm,
5: just, I'm, I'm just playing. I'm there just is a blah
3: about the roadhouse if you listen to oh, it. Was,
5: it was a joke.
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, you'll learn a lot, a lot about the double deuce. Uh-huh. Don't like double deuce. Uh, oh, but anyway, um, regularly you can find me on NDB Crack and Roll. Um, you can obviously find me here, and my quarterly appearances at this point, I think, on YouTube Roulette and How it Would It Impact Them. Although, I did make two episodes in a row, Logan. You did. Okay, so my contract doesn't renew again, so I'm I'm done with all my dates until did the beginning of the year at this point. So that into my contract. So
0: we
3: well, I'll see you on the next episode. No. <laughs> uh, with that, guys, um, again, always enjoy doing this pod. The one thing I do love is whether it's shit or not, or whether it's good. I think we have a good time breaking it down and giving an opinions, and I and I'm totally enjoy doing this regardless of how bad some of these matches are. So with that, um, we will see everybody on episode number six here in two weeks.